0: The name of Jesus. St. Luke chapter 1, uh, verse 13. All right. I am sorry. It is not chapter 1, it is chapter 2, verse 13. I wrote the wrong chapter down. And suddenly, There was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Amen. I want to use for a a thought today, a topic today, making peace in a complex world with complex lives and complex people making peace in a complex world with complex complex lives and complex people. Amen. Amen. Are you hearing me okay? Yes, all right. Lord, thank you for this opportunity to, to proclaim your word. Thank you, God, for your word that does not return to you void, but accomplishes all that you desire Thank you for your word that you prosper in the things that you sent it to. So thank you for sending your word to us today. And thank you for what your word will accomplish in our lives. Speak to us now. Father, we need to hear from you. I pray for a fresh anointing of your spirit, Lord, that I will communicate this message the way you've given it to me, Lord God, and that I won't go beyond any boundaries that I don't need to go beyond. And only say what you want me to say in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Making peace. Making peace in a complex world with complex lives and complex people. I believe everybody would agree with me that we live in a complex world. Yeah. We even have complex lives. And we live among and deal with people who are complex. Amen. 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 Yeah, when you look around, the complexity is everywhere. The dog is complex, the cat is complex, the cow is complex, the horse is complex. I mean, we're living in some complex times. Yeah. It seems that long gone are the days of simplicity. Yeah. Not just in America, but in many parts of the world. But, you know, when you really think about it and you really research this, you realize that in every generation there are complexities that people have to deal with. Uh, so it's not really something that's new. Solomon says there is nothing new under the sun. It's just that it seems more pronounced today Today in our generation with everything that's going on around us and, how, and the way we're so connected. You know, we're connected every day. There, if you're if you're connected to social media and you're watching television, there, there, there's not too many times that, that you're disconnected from anything. So you hear about everything that's going on from the time that you wake up in the morning. If you're like me, I like to watch the news, and a lot of people just don't watch the news, but you need to know what's going on in the world around you. So you get up in the morning, I think about 4 o'clock in the morning, the news is already on, you know. You, you open your phone and somebody's already sent you a message. You open up Facebook and somebody's already, already put some stuff out there. And all of it's not always good, you know. Um, and I, I've, I've stopped scrolling through my news feed, you know, because I don't want to know what's going on in people's lives, you know. I just want to pray for you. There's too much stuff out there, you know. Uh, it's just too much. And I don't need to know all of that. I have enough to deal with. I have enough to deal with, and so I don't need to know all of everybody's complexities, but but these are complex times that we're living in. Yeah, and people are just full of complexities. Talk to people, and you find out that they are full of complexities. If you've been following... If you've been following the lessons in school of ministry with the adult class and you've talked about life on missions and you've if you've been following that, you understand the brokenness that's in this world. Yeah, you understand that, that you're broken. You understand that people are broken. And all of this is a part of the complexities that are, that's going on in this world around us. I was talking with uh, uh, Pastor Garcia down in, in Dominican Republic, our pastor down there, just the other day. And he was sharing some things with me about the same issue. And then, then, then Friday, another brother called me, and he started talking about some things. And he asked me to call him back on Saturday. But uh, I was like, I don't need to hear this. I, I'm, I don't need to hear that. So I hadn't called him back yet because some things I can't fix. Amen. You know. And <laughs> but complexities are all around us. They're all around us. And even in the congregation of believers, even among those of us who say that we love Jesus and we follow Jesus, we are complex people and we're going through some complex times in our lives. These complexities work against peace. They work against peace. They disturb peace. Yes, sir. Yeah. If you have it, <laughs> the complexities will disturb your peace. Yeah, yeah. And, 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 and complexities bring conflict. Yes, sir. And they bring confusion. Yes, sir. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They do. They do. That, that's why it's good to disconnect from things, you know. Some things you don't need to know. Yeah, you just don't need to know. Just just disconnect sometimes so you can have a degree of peace in your life. Now, now peace is is common in most languages in the world. People talk about peace treaties. We know about that. Or they talk about times of peace. And in that sense, it means the absence of war. The absence of war. and even in the Bible, Amen. The word peace can also mean the absence of war, the absence of conflict, but it also in the Bible, uh, the word peace also refers to the presence of something that's better than the conflict or the war that's in the world. Okay. In the Old Testament, the word for peace is shalom, shalom. Amen. In the New Testament, the word for peace is the word arena. Now, now let me, let me pause for a moment and give credit to where credit is due. And one of my devotionals that, 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 that I've been doing, uh, this guy's done a word study on peace. And when I read it five or six days ago, this thing has just been resonating in me. So I'm using some of his material, all right? Amen? Yeah. All right. Got to be honest, praise the Lord. But there's nothing new under the sun... Just because somebody else said it doesn't mean that we can't say it. Because if I preach the Bible, it's already been said. I didn't write it. All right? So I hope you're all right with that. Praise the Lord. I, I saw something on Facebook, in the news several years ago where this pastor had been accused of plagiarism. You know, I don't want anybody to accuse me of plagiarism. All right? So I'm telling you that I got some of this from this devotional. A word study on peace. A word study on peace. And it was, it was so... Uh, inspirational to me that the Lord has been dealing with me about this for the whole week. Because we need peace. We need peace. Yep. The most basic meaning of shalom is complete or whole. Alright? Okay? It can refer to a stone that has a perfect whole shape without any cracks. Alright? Um, and, and you can read A scripture reference for that will be Joshua 8 and 31. It can also refer to a complete stone wall that doesn't have, say, a block wall that doesn't have any cracks or any missing blocks or bricks. All right? Shalom refers to something that is complex with with a lot of pieces that are in a state of completeness or in a state of wholeness. Alright. So the com- the concept of shalom does not deny the complexities, regardless of how many they may be. When shalom comes or when shalom is made, those complexities are brought into a state of completeness or a state of wholeness. Are you following me? Okay. It's like it's like Eliphaz. It's like Eliphaz in Job five and eight. Uh, and If you know the story of Job, you know that Job's friends were off base. You can be off base and say some things that are right. right. So Eliphaz, as he's talking to Job, and and, and he says to Job something to the effect that, um, you know, you look at at, at, at your tent will be shalom because Job would have counted his flock and not found anyone missing, not one of his flock missing. Everything was there. A state of wholeness. Okay, uh, and this, when you think about that, shalom can also refer to a person's well-being. Yes. All right, all right. In First Samuel chapter seventeen, Jesse, uh, David's father, sent David to check on his brothers who were in war when I- Israel was fighting against the Philistines. Right. Okay, he sent him to check on his brothers' well-being. Okay, so when, jo- when, when David got there, he asked about their shalom, their well-being, their peace. All right, wanted to find out if, if is everything okay, uh, is, is everything whole, is everything uh, complete. All right. So the core idea of shalom is that life is complex. It's full of moving parts and relationships and situations. And when when any of these parts are out of alignment or missing, your shalom has broken down. Your life is no longer whole, all right, because there's something missing. There's something that is broken down. There's something that is out of alignment, all right, all right, all right, all right. So it was that way with Saul and and the army of, of, of Israel in that battle against the Philistines. Their shalom had broken down. They were afraid of Goliath, this giant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were crippled with fear because they didn't feel like anyone could come up against Goliath. All right? They didn't know what to do. They didn't know what to do. Their shalom had been shattered. Broken into pieces. When your shalom has been shattered, it needs to be restored. Amen. God wants us to have peace. He does. He wants us to have peace. So if it's broken, if it's destroyed, it needs to be restored. It needs to be restored. And in fact, again, that's the basic meaning of shalom, when, when you use it as a verb, all right? to bring shalom literally means to make com- you shalom them or that person would shalom them by giving them complete repayment for their loss okay let's bring that up to date so if you if we're driving down the highway and you hit my car and damage my car and it's your fault you shalom me by having your insurance pay for my damage you bring peace, all right? You bring peace. You bring wholeness again. If, if relationships are broken and you are at fault in the relationship, you shalom that person by coming and confessing and apologizing and making peace again. Are you following me? I right, you following me? Yeah. This, 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 this state of shalom was what Israel's kings were supposed to do, are supposed to cultivate whenever they went to war with other people. Most of the time they went to war with other people, but they rarely did it. It rarely happened. Like today, you know, people can get angry with one another and it will sometimes takes mo- take months or years before someone will apologize. I, I, I don't understand why people don't like to apologize what what's what what is it in a person i know it's their pride and their ego that that won't cause a person to humble themselves and say i'm sorry please forgive me for what i've done bring shalom bring shalom are you following me yeah 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 shalom is god's intention for his people and even though even though Israel fails, and even though we fail, God has this greater plan. God brings shalom. God brings shalom. Study the Scriptures. Amen? We find out that, that it is only God who can ultimately bring shalom. Okay. I was talking with someone the other day. Well, it was a good conversation, so... The person is sitting in here, so it's a good conversation, all right. But I'm going to share it because it's a good point. Uh, and you know, you hear these people talk about making America great again. Do you know who can only make America great again? God is the only one. With all of the complexities in this society that we live in, no man can make America great again. I don't know why people are confused, I don't know why people have been bewitched. Nobody can make America great again. But God, and it will take us humbling ourselves, repenting of our sins, and apologizing to one another and going back to God. That's the only way. That's the only way. That's the only way. And if we're looking for a man to do this, it will never happen. It will never happen. It will never happen. In the same way with peace. God is the only one who could ultimately bring peace. And God has a plan that he's worked out and is still working out in this world because, you know, when you deal with with Scripture and you deal with what God is doing, there there is what is there, there is the present, and then there is the not yet. There is what is going to come, all right? So when you read the Scriptures and you start understanding God's plan and his plan to bring peace, you hear the prophet Isaiah say in chapter 9, verse 6, For unto us a child is born unto us a son is given and the government shall be upon his shoulder and he shall be called wonderful counselor mighty god prince of peace amen 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 his reign what 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 the prophet saw as he received the revelation from God and communicated to the people was that, that there is a future king who is coming, who is the prince of shalom. And his reign, his reign would bring shalom with no end. No end. His reign, his kingdom is where, and, and we understand this when we understand the teaching on the kingdom of God, because some people are still looking for the kingdom, but Jesus said the kingdom of God does not come by observation. You know, you don't you don't look for the kingdom over here and look for the kingdom over. Here. The kingdom of God is God's rule and reign in the lives of those who follow Him. So if, if if God doesn't live and reign in your heart, then He is not your Prince of Peace. And He can't bring peace in your life because of the rebellion. That's in your own heart. And that's the issue. We rebel against God. We rebel. We rebel. And so we have this conflict. So God's intention, and he sent Jesus into the world to be the prince. And Jesus is the prince of peace. Just think of those of us who have a right relationship. Not saying that we do everything right. All right. All right. But we have a right relationship with God and we've confessed our sins, and we repent of our sins, and we walk in fellowship with the Lord, there is a peace that reigns in our being. There is a peace. Things will happen to disturb it, but God is quick to, as we go back to him, restore that peace. Yeah, yeah. So, so this is a time when God would make a covenant of shalom with his people and make right all, all wrongs, and heal all that has been broken. Okay? All right, now, now you look at the world and you say, but there's still a whole lot of brokenness in the world. But God is not finished. God is not finished. Can someone say God is not finished? He's giving people time to repent. And this is the reason that it's so critical that we carry this message of peace to the world. Because what some people are calling peace is not peace. Jesus Christ is the only one who speaks peace in the midst of the storms of life. And he's not finished. He's not finished. He's not finished. He's given people time to repent. But there's going to come a day, and that day is coming. I can't say exactly when. There's going to come a day when he will rule and reign in the new Jerusalem, the new heaven and new earth, and that will be a time of total peace. Total peace. Total peace. Yeah. So anyway, backing up a bit. So, So this covenant of Shalom, yeah. Where, where, where God was send Christ. And, and the covenant of, covenant of shalom, the covenant of peace, is not just something that's out there, but it's something that we enter into. We enter into this covenant of peace with the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, you notice that when Jesus' birth was announced, uh, it was the arrival of Irena, which is the Greek word for peace. And the angel said, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth, what? Peace toward men among men. Now, it's interesting that the Revised Standard Version, and if you, if you know, if you study the Bible, uh, you know that, that, that some translations are a bit different. But when you read the RSV, it says, to those that he's pleased with. You see, a lot of us want to think that, that, that God has brought peace and everybody has it. No, everybody doesn't have it. That's why we have conflict. That's the reason we have war. Yes. And also, that's the reason we should be very careful in ascribing Christianity broadly and blanketly across the board to everybody because God is not pleased with everybody. He's not. And everybody is not a Christian. Amen. Amen. And we may not like that thought, but it's according to Scripture, that's what is the truth. Amen? Amen. God is not pleased with everybody. And, 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 and even though we may sin and God may not be pleased with our sins, but the Bible teaches us how to come back into that right relationship with God. Amen. Amen. When we've trusted in the finished work of Christ on Calvary, then the Lord looks at us through Christ and he sees a saved son or daughter who he expects to walk in obedience to his will and to his way. But with Jesus' birth was the arrival of Irena or peace. Peace. Jesus came to offer peace to everyone who would receive it. The only way we, you receive Jesus' peace is by receiving him. Are you all still in the sanctuary? Yeah. All right, I like to hear some, some noise. Amen. Amen. Now, now, in John chapter 14, verse 27, and I'm, I'm going there because I didn't write down the entire reference. Uh, this is what Jesus says in, in verse 27. He says, peace I leave with you. My peace. I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. All right. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Jesus says, I'm giving you my peace. He's speaking to his disciples. He's here, he is not speaking broadly to everybody. Even though he has come to bring peace to the world, the world has to receive him in order to have his peace. I mean, he's sitting out here just throwing peace, just, you know, just, just throwing peace. Everybody can have peace. If that would be the case, we would just be wonderful in this world. I mean, everybody would love everybody, you know. It would be just like most time. That's why I like Christmas because you go places and people are smiling and, you know, it's the most wonderful time. <laughs> but, you know, people are caught up in the season and not caught up in the God of Peace. Yeah, Jesus makes the difference. He makes the difference. When we have received him as our Savior and our Lord, his peace comes to rule in us. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. So the apostle stated that Jesus made peace. He made peace between messed up humans and God when he died on the cross and rose from the dead. Jesus made peace. Jesus made peace. Yeah. When he died on the cross and rose from the dead. The idea is that Jesus restored to wholeness, listen now, the broken relationship between those humans who will receive him and their creator. Okay. All right? Now, he's, he's no respect to persons. He receives anyone who will come to him. All right? He will, but you have to come. You have to accept him, and you have to accept his way. Yeah, he makes peace. So the, 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 the apostles, the early, early apostles, they, they, they said that Jesus made peace between messed up humans, all right, and God. When he died on the cross and rose from the dead. The idea is that he restored to hold us that broken relationship. This is why the Apostle Paul could say that Jesus is our arena. Jesus is our peace. He is, he is, he is. He he was the whole complete human that you and I are supposed to be, but we failed. Jesus is. So, when, now, 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 so when, when I come to Jesus and I allow him to rule and reign in my life, Paul says, it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because he has become our peace, then we are to be peace makers. Because he has, bec- he has become our peace by making peace with God. Why did he need to make peace with God? Because we are born in sin and shaped in iniquity. God's law says the soul that sins shall surely die. So if it had not been for Jesus, by now this world would have been, been destroyed. Because all of us have sinned, and all of us have come short of God's glory. We deserve death for our sin. But Jesus died for you and for me. He satisfied God's divine law. So that you and I could be accepted in the the sight of God. That's why accepting Christ's sacrifice, his finished work, it's so important. This thing is deep and people don't understand it because they think, but well, just because I joined the church, I'm okay. No, you're not okay just because you're a member of a church. You can be a member of a church and still lost. It's Jesus Christ. It's not church membership that saves you. It is your faith in the finished work of Christ on Calvary. He died for you. He satisfied divine justice for you. And it is an individual thing. It is not a blanket thing. Because I'm saved does not mean my son is saved. My son has to accept Christ for himself. We need to understand this. We don't understand. We're, we're blanketing Christianity. That's why we're messed up in the society that we live in. Yeah, yeah. So God, God is the one who bring shalom, and we receive it when we receive the one who brought the shalom, his peace, his peace, his peace. And therefore, we become what? Peacemakers. What happens is that he gave his life as a gift, and giving me his life, everything about his life is now imparted into me. Are you following me? How is his life imparted into me? Jesus said, I will not leave you comfortless. I will send the comforter. He said, he shall be with you, and he shall be in you. So now, Holy Spirit lives in me, and he lives in me. Because he's the Prince of Peace, and he now lives in us. He's imparted himself. And he continually imparts himself into us. He pours himself out in us. He's imparted his peace. So it's not just salvation that he provides. He imparts himself and everything about himself into us. He imparts the very essence of his very being into us. That's why Paul can say in the book of Galatians chapter 5, he can say the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. This is what the Spirit of Christ grows and imparts in us. Peace is a great big part of it. If you don't have peace today, then you need to ask yourself, does the Prince of Peace live in you, or are you rightly understanding and accessing what he wants to give you in your life? He's imparted peace to us. He's restored us to God. All right. He's made us whole. The devil would want you to think that you're not whole. But he's made you whole. Yeah, yeah. Maybe you've not developed that wholeness. Because right. sometimes we get saved and we don't develop our relationship with the Lord. It's, 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 it's dangerous. Are you all listening? It's very dangerous for us as believers when we continually associate with people who've never received Jesus as Savior and Lord. And we don't like these thoughts, but this is why the Bible teaches us that a man should not be unequally yoked together with an unbeliever. You can marry an unbeliever. You can be saved all day. Don't marry that unbeliever. And if you're not careful, that unbeliever will pull you away from the Lord. They want you going places. They want you doing things that you know you shouldn't be doing. You know, you want to go to worship on Sunday. They they want to stay in the bed. and want you to stay in the bed with them. Should be studying the Bible. They don't want you studying the Bible. They want you talking to them. He imparts, he imparts peace, along with everything else. Maybe next Sunday I'll talk about the joy, but the peace is today. Because we, 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 are, we, are, we are, somebody in here right now is dealing with the fact that their peace has been disturbed. And Lord help us. You think If you watch the news every day and you look at what's going on around us, you'll say, Lord, what's going on? Why don't you do something? But in the midst of it all, God wants you to have amen, amen. Yeah, yeah. So, so, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He has imparted his peace. This means that that, that as followers of Jesus Christ, we are now called to create peace. Are we listening? We are now called to create peace. Yeah. Now, it's difficult for us being human beings, but but you got to deal with where you are with your peace in the Lord, because things are going to happen. In the fellowship of believers, things will happen. You will have planned an event, and the pastor will come and do something different, and now your peace has been disturbed. I had this thing all laid out, and the pastor just, just upset the apple cart. So how do you deal with it? It's the peace that rests in your heart. It's a peace that's right. I like talking to Brother Minor because Brother Minor will have you laughing. He said, Bishop, it's going to be all right. Ha, 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 ha. <laughs> uh, Brother Minor, I could be having a serious conversation about something. He said, Bishop, it's going to be all right. He said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be at peace. Things happen. Things happen. And and, and the Apostle Paul encouraged the fellowship of believers. He encouraged the church to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. He said this to the body of Christ. Now you think about the number of churches that are split up and have turmoil and confusion. Somebody decided they were not going to maintain the unity of the Spirit. And the bond of peace. Yeah, yeah. But we've been called to be peacemakers. Yeah, yeah. And remember this. It's God who works in us both to create the will and to give us the desire to do or the ability to do his good pleasure. So if it's God's will that we are peacemakers, then it is God who works in us through the Holy Spirit to create the desire to give us the will and the ability to have peace. Peace. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We become peacemakers. Last thing. In order for this to really be worked out, we must participate in the life of Christ. We must. This is much more than doing good deeds. Doing good is wonderful. It is. However, doing is never a substitute for being. Are you listening? Doing is never a substitute for being. We are called to be like Christ. We are called to be followers of Jesus. We are called to be loving and be kind. Doing good works is good. People can do good and never be. People can do a lot of good in the world and never be. Jesus can inspire a lot of people, and Jesus does inspire a lot of people, but they, many of them, are not being like Christ. Because when the, when the project is over, then you see a different side of them. Be. 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 You be when you participate in the life of Christ. In order to be the makers of peace that God would have us be, we must participate in the very life of Christ. We must become like him as much as possible. This is why last year I said, we need to study Jesus' life. If I'm going to be a disciple of Christ, I need to look at his life. I need to find out what his life was like. So that I can pattern my life after him, after I've received him as my Savior and my Lord. There are a lot of people that talk good, but you got to be like Christ. you got to be like him. Yeah, 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 yeah. Ooh, becoming people of peace means participating in the life of Jesus who reconciled all things in heaven and earth, restoring peace through his death and his resurrection. Okay? So it's through his death and his resurrection that he made peace and brought reconciliation. In order for us to do the same thing, listen good, we must die to self. So we're the biggest problem. I can blame anybody else for what's going on in my life, but I am my biggest problem. Some people think, we, we think we're the most wonderful thing that God created. But when you look at yourself, if you're honest with yourself, you are your worst enemy. When you want to hold yourself up above God's standard in self-righteousness. When you want to put yourself somehow on a pedestal and you think that, 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 that nobody can, you are your worst enemy. You are, you're your worst enemy. Jesus said, if anyone would follow me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Now, now, all of us, most of us understand that in first century Palestine, if someone was carrying a cross, they were on their way to death. And we talked about this over and over again. When you die to self, then you can be alive to God and all that God wants you to be. All right, That's the only time it's going to happen because until you die to yourself, you will be offended and you will act out of your offense. Until you die to yourself, you will think that you are better than everybody else. Until you die to yourself, you will not humble yourself and make for peace a death to self puts us on a place where it's no longer me that's important. It's not my life that's important. Not my life that's important. That is not the philosophy of a lot of people in this world. Because a lot of people are taught from children, from childhood, they're the most important person in the world. Always look out for yourself. And we should look out for ourselves. But when we come to Christ and he lives in us now, we're going to look out for other people. We're going to give our lives away for others. And this goes from marriage all the way through life. You give your life away. You give a life away. We know that Christ has given us the ministry of reconciliation. We become reconcilers when we yield ourselves to Christ in his will. Yeah, yeah. When we become born again by his spirit and we're renewed in the spirit of our minds. Otherwise, we're not going to be reconcilers. We're not going to be peacemakers. We'll talk a good game, but we won't do it. We won't do it. Without the new birth, we become dispersers rather than reconcilers. We become peace breakers rather than peacemakers. And I know in all that I've said today, it says to me, and it should say to us, that making peace is a lot of work. Making peace is not just the absence of conflict. True peace requires taking what's broken, restoring it to wholeness, whether it's in our lives, in our relationships, or in our world. That's the biblical concept of peace that God has called us to make. And it takes work. Most people are not willing to do that much work. Most people are not willing to do that much work. We would, it's much easier just not to speak to people anymore. It's much easier. And a lot of people opt for that rather than making peace. That's why there are people in church that don't speak to each other. Because it's much easier just to leave it alone. People get divorced because they will not Make peace. That's not the only reason. But they get divorced many times because nobody is willing to yield and say, I was wrong. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. It can be much deeper than that. But a lot of times when you're counseling people, you find people that don't want to apologize. Say, I'm sorry. Please forgive me. I've literally had people tell me that their spouse will never say, I'm sorry. Hmm. But we are supposed to be peacemakers. This Christmas, we sing about the Prince of Peace. Does his peace rule in your life? Let's stay.